All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow. Another very, very, very special guest in the building. I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to say that I have an Olympic gold medalist on the show, but I have one with me here today, Sarah Fillier. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Yes, again, thank you so much for coming on. Kind of like I, so the way that we made this happen, I DM'd you on Instagram and you said you don't check your DM. So at first I did think you were ghosting me and I was like, all right, fine. She doesn't want to come on the show. And then like a month later, you responded saying you just didn't check your DMs and you'd be more than happy to. And you're back and forth between here and Canada. And I was like, all right, sweet. We're going to make it happen. So we are finally here. Mm -hmm. But the way that I start every single episode is I ask my guests to introduce themselves, tell me where they're from, stuff they do around campus, and just any other general introduction that they would want the people to know. Uh, perfect. Yeah, I'm Sarah Philly. I'll be a rising junior, and um, I'm from just outside Toronto, Ontario, in Canada, and uh, I play for the women's ice hockey team here. And so you initially you just said you are a rising junior, but you actually started in the class of 2022. I remember we were both in the class of 2022, mm-hmm. and as I like to say. Everyone who started out with us and who took gap years for whatever reason, I like to consider them always part of the class of 2022. <laughs> that includes you. But we are now three weeks away from graduate. The class of 2022 mm-hmm. is now three weeks away from graduation. I had my last day of classes yesterday, submitted my thesis. Does it at all feel weird for you because this is the initial timeline that you came into Princeton expecting to graduate? Yeah, I mean, class of 2022 will always have a little special place in my heart, and sounds a little bit nicer than 2024, in my opinion. This but, is true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I came into school, I kind of hoped that I would be missing my senior year and would have to be in class of 2023 to go to the Olympics. So it wasn't a surprise that I, like, switched classes, but to switch to, and, and now watching everyone and, and all the people I met my first year here graduating and finishing their theses, it's, it's kind of weird for me, but it's fun to be around. Yeah, and that's actually kind of cool that you came in already thinking, okay, maybe I can make the Olympics, I'll have to take a gap year, but again, we'll get into that in a second. How hard of a transition do you think it'll be to coming back to being a a full-time student? Because... It's, it, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I, that's a question I get asked a lot, and, and especially being around campus, people are like, how are you going to come back? How are you going to deal with it? And um, I don't know. I, I try not to think about it. Um, I'm going to maybe take a summer class and... Um, try and get back into the swing of things and it, Princeton's a hard uh, place to kind of adapt to and you know, everyone experienced that their first year and I, I think I'm going to get a, a hit a little bit um, in the face just like freshman year but um, I have all my friends to help me out so it'll be okay. And do you miss being a student at all? And you can say no. <laughs> um, I, I miss being on campus. I miss like the environment and, and my friends and my teammates and, and everyone here. Maybe not the classes but um, yeah I can't wait to be back. Fair, fair enough. And what are you what are you thinking? Have you declared a major yet? Because yeah. I don't even like your timeline now just confuses me. Like, did you declare? No. Did you join an eating club? Like, where where are you in, the, in, the, in everything Princeton? I know. Yeah, it, it confuses me a lot, too, because I'm like in canon, but haven't been like an official member in canon and now watching like sophomores who are below me be real members. Um, but yeah, I declared uh, psychology and then we kind of got kicked off campus right in uh, March. Okay, fair enough. Gotcha. And so then, again, kind of along these lines, just trying to kind of track in your progression in your last however many years at Princeton here. Mm -hmm. And so when did you decide to take the first gap year? And was that hockey related or COVID related? Yeah, I remember having like a ton of Zooms with our team kind of trying to decide. But um, I 
I kind of took the gap year with the hopes of just like deleting the whole factor of being stressed about school and completely focusing on hockey and being centralized with the hopes of going to the Olympics the, the year after. Um, and I remember just having a conversation with my parents and they're like, if you really want to do this and, and go to the Olympics, take the year off and, and focus on that because you don't want to have any like what ifs. And um, I'm obviously from Canada and from Toronto and, and the thought of doing online school in my like childhood room <laughs> wasn't super attractive. So it worked out that my whole team actually, minus like three or four um, juniors that year, Took, took gap years. So I still have another year to, to spend with all my teammates and my friends. So it honestly worked out really well. Okay, so first one is kind of, you said a little bit, both COVID and a little bit of hockey. Mm -hmm. And I saw that you were you were also on the IIHF World Championship team. Mm -hmm. So did you have to take a gap to play on that team or did that affect the timeline at all? Because that was in 2021. Yeah, so I, I took the gap year, um, like the year right after kind of we got sent home from COVID. And um, we were supposed to go to a world championship when I was uh, on a leave of absence and it got canceled um, because of COVID again. And then the worlds I played in was in August. Um, and then the following year, I took another year off. So it was like right in between the two school years I, t I left. Okay. That no, that does make sense. Cause okay. Then that is important for me to, for me <laughs> to kind of track. And so when in your, cause again, you're 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Almost, almost. Almost 21 <laughs> years old. And you have played on the Canadian national team for how long? Um, the senior team, uh, four years, I think. I started four. in 2018. Wow, so when you were 18 years old. At what point in your life did that become like a realistic target for you? Like when did you become so good that it became something that was kind of like on the table for you? Honestly, I was surprised to get invited to my first camp in 2018. Um, I like missed my first ever Frosh Week for it. And, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Frosh, the legendary Frosh Week yeah. from our freshman year. The club. Oh my goodness! I wow. still have yet to be to a, uh, a Frosh Week, so maybe next year. But um, yeah, I remember getting invited to that camp and and sitting beside people who I idolized, like growing up and being like, "Wow, like holy shit, I'm really here," kind of thing. Um, but it it didn't really set in until like I think getting invited to like play in my first World Championship, which was like just under two years ago maybe wow and just quick thing about frost week for us because for anyone listening the og class of 2022 when we came in that first first year frost week is a thing everybody comes on campus there's a, a however long of it's like three or four days just like going to the street and partying and whatever and our year there were so many people who got macoshed which <laughs> let's just say they had a little bit too much to drink so I, since that year no other freshman class has been allowed on the street for frost week and so that was a very iconic, iconic period of time yeah. that you happen to miss but you'll be back as a junior next year and so you'll be able to participate yes. in in the majority of of the activities but okay so you said <clears throat> first made the senior national team four years <clears throat> four years ago invited to the team for worlds but mm -hmm. then for the olympics specifically did was it the sort of thing where it was like okay since i made the team for worlds i'm basically assuming that i'm going to be on the or on the olympic roster or was there still any type of uncertainty um leading up to that process right yeah it's actually kind of an interesting process because uh the way worlds worked it was in august and normally they invite like 27 um players to go live in calgary like out west in canada and so they invited us all out and then they picked a roster of 23 to play in worlds um but they kept all 27 there and then after the world championship they keep 27 players there for six months so that's where i, I live for the last like last year and Whoa. 
um, they don't really make cuts until right before Christmas. So you're training, you know, with the hopes to make this Olympic team with 27 people you're constantly competing with. And then basically a month before they send you out to Beijing, they pick the roster and have to send home um, like five, five athletes. That which is, crazy. is um, that there could definitely be a, a better process for the five people who don't make it. Because yeah. I can't imagine having to sit there. You take me away from my family. Take me to, <laughs> I don't know much about Canada, but is Calgary like a popular place to be? Uh, no. Okay. No. I, yeah. I <laughs> it's not like a Toronto or somewhere that might, no, be a, no. that might be a lot more fun. Just to then have the dream kind of taken away from you within the last month. That sound, that process maybe could be streamlined a little bit, but thankfully you didn't have yes. to be on the, on the receiving end of things where you, you got sent home. And for... So kind of based on what you just described, what is that community like when you're actually competing for the spot? Because I, I imagine in the back of everyone's head, you're like, oh, shit, a month beforehand, we could p potentially not make the roster. So is it really a solid team until after the roster or is it still like, OK, we're just going to try to all help ourselves achieve this goal? Yeah, I think, I mean, that was my first experience being kind of centralized, and I had, like, an amazing experience, and, and our team really was a real team, no matter thinking about what's going to come in the future and five people are going to leave us, and I think they really stressed the whole time that it was a group of 50, because originally we started with 50 girls, 27 get invited, and then it cuts to 20, uh, 23, but they, they did a really good job at um, how everyone was, everyone was an important piece of the puzzle, and... Um, you know, whoever gets to go to Beijing and, and hopefully win a gold medal, that everyone back home is still a part of it and can say they're a part of it. So. Wow, okay. And just real quick before we actually get to my next question about the Olympics, and rewinding a little bit, your freshman year, I was looking up your stats, and what a year. <laughs> Led the NCAA in scoring, National Rookie of the Year, amongst many other accolades that we don't even have the time for me to list. When you were coming in, what type of expect to Princeton hockey specifically? Did you have those type of lofty expectations for yourself, or did you kind of surprise yourself with how how well you played your freshman year? No, I completely surprised myself for sure. Um, playing at home, I was uh, I was never like a flashy player. I never like put up a ton of points, and um, I just always tried to like uh, at home or before school. I think I took things pretty seriously, and when you're at Princeton, uh, there's a lot going on. So I think I just like relaxed a bit with hockey and, and didn't stress myself about with that because I had a lot of other things to stress. So you were relaxed and were the best rookie in the country. Amazing, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly how it worked out. But yeah, I mean, I give a lot of credit to our coaches, and we had a great team, and I love my like well now the class of 2023. But uh, I had a great class and made a ton of friends. So it was honestly just like really fun to go to the rink every day. And when uh, so the sophomore year again pre-covid og sophomore year mm -hmm. what were you again this is a question i've asked most of the athletes student athletes who have come on to the show what were your feelings when because uh, you guys had qualified for the ncaa tournament your sophomore mm -hmm. year and then covid happens and all of a sudden everybody go home what, what were those feelings like yeah i think uh it didn't set in for a really long time that you know we wouldn't be coming back and then later i wouldn't be coming back for two more years but um it was tough because I think the team we had, we thought we were going to win a national championship. And for that to get cut off and, and obviously for our seniors to lose out on, on the end of their season, the end of their senior year is really tough. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of tragic, honestly. Yeah, and that's been very, very similar story that I've heard from most people. And at least because you took the gap year, you didn't have the experience of 
all the other student athletes who came back last year and were not able to compete mm-hmm. because that is still one of the biggest gripes that a lot of them still have. So yeah. things things kind of kind of worked out for you in the end. And um, just one quick thing: I know that you're you you have a teammate, or she was a teammate originally, and then. Um, she was your here at Princeton, and then was also your Olympic teammate, Claire. Yes, Claire Thompson. Yeah. What even is that like to have someone that you played with here then be able to go on that Olympic journey with you? Honestly, I, I, it's really cool. I mean, like I came into Princeton, and I have a twin sister here who plays hockey, and to have like a little piece of home is really comforting, and especially when you're in a new environment and and playing a Division One sport, and and having Claire there uh, to go move to a place I've never been to, and across the country in Canada and being a super stressful environment it's it's kind of having like a little piece of home there too and you know we're super close friends and uh just to be able to experience going to the Olympics and achieving our like childhood like dream is is just super special yeah I can imagine and because I'm not even someone who is like the closest follower of hockey but I remember I saw the announcement of it was like I think it was your Instagram post and then it was with her also I'm like first of all I recognize her I had physics precept with her are there two Princeton people who are going to the Olympics I was like this is just pre- pretty insane pretty cool and again just just one of those one of those Princeton things yeah. um but I jumped a step so what was the moment when you realized you made the roster and how did you find out yeah so I, I actually was in isolation at home we had a little bit of a COVID outbreak with ah. the team um it was like December like 22nd like right before Christmas and I was on Zoom actually and you just have to kind of wait in the waiting room and you get kind of brought in and oh there's the coaching staff and like the head of Hockey Canada the GM and they basically either say congratulations or um sorry you didn't make it and luckily I got the good I got the good call and um it was really special to go upstairs and like tell my family that you know I actually really did make it and I'm gonna go to China it was a lot of tears and um, it was really special. And the perfect, the perfect early Christmas yes. present also. Because, yeah. And oh, and then I'm just out here thinking about the five who <laughs> had their Christmases ruined. We need Canada hockey. We need to streamline this process. Yeah. Make, it, make it a little bit fair on everybody. A couple days earlier, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And so then how quick. Do, and so you said this was December 22nd of mm-hmm. what year? 20? Uh, 2021. So the January 2022. Okay. And Olympics started when? Um late january okay and so how long do you how long does it take you from go from going to celebrating the fact that you just made the olympic roster to then turning around and then getting that mindset of okay we're trying to win a gold medal like how how quick does that mindset shift happen for you yeah i I don't think it, it really took any time to shift i think the second everyone got to calgary back in August or July-ish, I think everyone had the mindset of winning a gold medal. So um, to make the team, it, it makes it more of a reality, but you're, you're still in the same mindset that it's kind of gold or bust for the team. Fair. And again, which I will, again, yes, it's gold. Actually, I'll ask you, I'll ask you about this in a little bit. But were you the youngest one on the team? Yes. Yeah. Insane. So casual. <laughs> youngest, youngest person, Canada women's Olympic hockey team. Insane. Um, okay. And so the process of actually getting into Beijing for the Olympics because obviously, as everyone knows, COVID mm-hmm. still existed. Omicron was a big thing back in January, especially. Describe that process of actually having to get it because I've read some things about like so much testing, isolation mm-hmm. this, isolation that. So what, what was that process like? Honestly, um, it was kind of smooth, actually. You would expect it. I think there are a lot of rumors in the news about, you know, isolating here for a month if you get COVID, all this stuff. But um, we kind of just showed up. You had to fill like a health document 
beforehand. No one really spoke English there, but you just showed a QR code. They scanned you through, and um, we got tested every day. Um, the the restrictions, I guess, for the people who worked there were super strict. Like, apparently they isolated for three weeks coming in and then had to isolate out. So none of us ever felt like we were in, like, um, I guess, like, danger of being, of testing positive. And um, there was a really thought-out uh, plan that, you know, the CFC, like the Canadian Olympic Committee, agreed upon with, uh, you know, the Chinese Olympic Committee if someone did test positive um, that we all felt really comfortable with. So... Um, it kind of just felt normal, which is weird. Okay, that that's good to hear because again, that does that does differ from a lot of the things that I was reading mm-hmm. in the news about how crazy it was for the athletes and also for the for the non athlete. But that's that's good to know. <laughs> and quick little quick little side question: Was that your first time in China? Yes. And where is the coolest or your favorite place that you've traveled for hockey? Um, I've been to uh, Prague and uh, Moscow, Ooh. Um, but I would probably go with Prague, Okay, I think. It's, and then, it's a really pretty city. And then I would imagine even with the Olympics this time around, you weren't able to explore as much as you would have been mm-hmm. because of all, all the restrictions that were in place. Yeah, it was, it was very locked down. Very yeah. Locked down. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then uh, you get to Beijing, and then they also have like a bubble or like a closed loop system. Mm-hmm. So you said smooth transition to actually get into the country. When you were actually there, what was that whole experience like? Yeah, it, they basically just had like um, just a, like a little community of a bunch of like apartments, um, like condo buildings. And each country kind of had their own. And it's funny, they had like flags outside. So it was like, it honestly kind of felt like a like summer camp. <laughs> like everyone's in there. Like, the best athletes <laughs> in the world, which is kind of what the Olympics is. Actually, when you think about it, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like everyone has their like super flashy, like Olympic apparel on. Everyone's kind of matching. Like you walk into the dining hall in like a big group and you have to be here at this time. And Everything in the village was, like, decorated, and I don't know, it was really cool, but I think that's the best way to describe it, was, like, summer camp, and, um, but yeah, you couldn't leave the village, and if you're going to your venue, you kind of get on a bus with your team, and and that's it, and then they let you off at the venue, and, and no one's in the venue, but, yeah. And so I first episode this school year was actually Mo Hamza, who is a junior in TI, he's an Olympic fencer, right. yep. and he was saying that at the Olympics for him, McDonald's was a huge hit in the cafeteria for every single country. Was there any similar restaurant where it was like every athlete was like lined up <laughs> to go eat at? Okay, so I also heard about the whole McDonald's thing and everyone, you know, loving McDonald's because obviously the food is, might be a little different. We didn't have McDonald's. Oh, what? Oh, do had, better Winter Olympics. <laughs> so we had Pizza Hut and KFC. Okay. But it wasn't like anywhere close to like an American version of Pizza Hut and KFC. It was kind of just, like, a microwave personal pizza, if you wanted. <laughs> and then a random, like, chicken sandwich. But the fries were really good, so I think a lot of people lined up for the fries. Okay. And uh, didn't really, really eat anything else in the meal. Fair enough. And did they do they try to bring cuisines from a bunch of the different countries that are represented? Yeah, I think that's, like, what happens normally. Okay. But um, we were kind of just dealing with, I think, strictly authentic Chinese food, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of a challenge. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think people think Chinese food and they think what we have here, like general sauce chicken and sesame chicken, but that's not yeah. actually no, authentic no, Chinese no, no. food. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, recalling back to the Mo Hams episode, he said he got to meet a lot of cool athletes. He's, he said he met, like, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, Kevin Durant. Were you able to meet any any anyone cool that was like, okay, this is this is kind of dope? Yeah, I mean, I I stood in a room with Mark McMorris for a little bit. Who's that? 
uh, he's a Canadian snowboarder. Okay. <laughs> uh, pretty big deal in Canada. And uh, I think the coolest person I like saw him from a distance was Sean White. Sean White, okay. Yeah, I, we were like sitting beside like the whole USA team before the opening ceremonies and everyone was kind of looking over. <laughs> and I love that I asked that question because first, when it comes to the Summer Olympics, I know so many like athletes would be there. When it comes to the Winter Olympics, I literally know Sean White. So I was kind of hoping you'd say you met Sean White and yeah. you said you saw him. So <laughs> so, so thankfully yes. um, that worked out. Um, okay. And then how was it, was it weird at all playing in front of not too many spectators or were you kind of, yeah, w w was that weird at all? Um, I mean, it, I've, we've kind of been used to it, I think, over the past two years. I mean, we didn't play a single game for, for a year, and then when we started playing games, there were no fans. And it was actually funny because they had fans there, mm -hmm. just, like, super socially distanced. And then all the athletes could come to games. They would just, like, sit really high up in, like, the bowl section, like, super high up. But um, they had, like, crowd, a little bit of crowd noise. like Wait, like, like fake crowd noise or... Uh, yeah, like oh, fake, like clapping, you'd score a goal. There'd be like oh, interesting. Yeah, so I, <laughs> it was it was. I don't. I I mean, I didn't really notice it. I don't think. I think if we didn't go through a COVID year and that happened, it'd be weird. Yeah. But I think we were just used to it at that point. Yeah, fair. It wasn't like the the NBA bubble where it was like league gets shut down and the first time they're back, they're playing for no fans. But then also with the fake crowd noise, I know that I. I, I guess it must be league dependent because I'm a big soccer fan, so mm -hmm. I used to watch the Premier League. And then in that season where they um, didn't have any fans, the broadcast would always say that for the people watching at home, there was freight crowd noise, but there was none pumped in for the actual oh, athletes. Okay, so it's yeah. kind of cool or just interesting and different that they decided to actually make it be yeah. audible for the athletes. So. Yeah, I think in the NHL, at least they did a little bit, but I remember there just being like a ton of stuff about it being ridiculous, but... It wasn't, like, outrageous there. I think they toned it down a little bit, so yeah. it, was, it was okay. And how much were you able to go and watch other competitions, or were you not able to do that much? Yeah, once we kind of had, um, like, a little bit of break or, like, a couple of days off back-to-back, -back, we would go to events. Like, um, we went to Big Air, um, figure skating, and bobsled. Like, Ooh. we all went to go to the Jamaican <laughs> yeah. bobsled team, yeah. which is really cool, but... <laughs> Uh, that village was like an hour and a half away, so you kind of have to like get on a bus and... Whoa, okay, <laughs> slow down. How spread out was the whole thing? In my mind, this is all within like, in my mind, it's Princeton's campus and everything's walking oh. distance, maybe like five, ten minute bus ride tops. How big is the whole Olympic yeah. setup? No, not, not at all like this. So they had three different villages, so... Wow, is we that were... standard? No, not at all. Okay. No, I think they basically just kind of did it, because they obviously had the 20... Or 2008 kind Summer. of like infrastructure, yeah. I guess. But it wasn't big enough, and they obviously need like mountains and snow for stuff. So and they're fake snow. <laughs> yeah, they're fake snow. <laughs> um, so we were in the closest village in Beijing, and it was like us, like all the hockey teams, um, like curling, figure skating. Um, that's really it. And then we would, like everyone's venue was spread out, so we drove an hour to the rink every day, basically. Wow. Which was kind of crazy. That's a whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, that isn't... What? That just does not sound like the smartest planning, no, but okay. No, yeah. Cause I, I mean, they had this, like, beautiful... It's where basketball was played in, in 2008, but uh, it was it was pretty far from the village. And then the two other villages were... Um, it was, like, an hour and a half away from Beijing and then three hours. So it kind of depended, like, what sport you played in. And so, well, I don't know why this is so mind-blowing to me. Yeah. The fact that 
people are three hours apart. I know for something like the World Cup, there's literally games all over this. I'm, I'm talking soccer here because, again, yeah. I, I don't know that much about hockey. <laughs> but they literally have games all over the country, which right. makes sense. They fly everywhere. But I was always under the impression that for the Olympics, both summer and winter, it's like one very central hub, and you could essentially walk everywhere. So to hear that things are three hours away from each other is kind of ridiculous yeah i think what i think your idea of, of it is is what it's supposed to be and, okay and what it's normally been and um it's kind of this like fun campus basically yeah. i guess with yeah. all these like houses dedicated to like each country but i think it was just a totally honestly just a totally different experience than anyone has ever experienced at any past olympics and i don't i don't know if anyone will ever experience yeah i was about to say hopefully you're in the next roster <laughs> and you're able to have a much, much more normal Olympic right. experience. Sure. But then, okay, getting to the actual competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my little bit of research, <laughs> saw that usually it's Canada and America who win Olympic gold medal for women's hockey with Canada essentially dominating. I think it's like four or five gold medals are going. It was like four or five for Canada and like one or two for the USA. What type of pressure does that put on you all to be the team that keeps the streak going rather than the ones who who don't right. who don't yeah yeah no it's, it's actually really interesting because at the olympics canada has i think obviously dominated in the last four or five but if you look like individually each year between olympic years uh honestly the usa has kind of been pretty dominant so um i think the pressure wasn't really on us this year uh, I think we we came in and we were like we have nothing to lose because interesting. Um, you know, they Team Canada had silver at the last Olympics, um, so it was like a little bit of a revenge tour. But um, yeah, I I don't think we had a ton of pressure on ourselves. Interesting, yeah. which is, okay, because even just I think and obviously you look at the statistics and you look at all the 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 lead up to it because even like the world championships that you guys just won last year so you're mm-hmm. saying even as defending champions of that you didn't feel like it was on you guys to to defend your crown yeah so actually the world championship uh so we won the i was 21 2021 so that was the first world championship team canada's won in like 12 years oh okay so aside from like olympic games like the trends completely switched with usa and and team canada usa is kind of on top so to win that it was like a huge like uh shift in momentum at least for us and we just tried to like carry that through and um but yeah i don't think we ever felt like a ton of pressure maybe pressure of like representing canada and wanting like to make like canada proud and and not (laughs) (laughs) and not lose and, and come home with a silver medal but um Maybe just bringing it down to U.S. Canada. I don't think there was a ton. Fair enough. And then you get into the preliminary rounds, and I'll just read off the scores because you. And before I even get into this, first of all, actually, no, I'll say this after. <laughs> preliminary matches: twelve-one against Switzerland, win. Eleven-one against Finland, win. Six-one against the Russian Olympic Committee, <laughs> Russia, win. So you have those first three games. At that point, are you like, okay, like we're we're gonna win a gold medal after you just blowing all these teams out of the water? I think it gave us a lot of confidence. Um, I don't think, at least in the last maybe like 20 years, we've ever beat teams by that great of a margin. Um, so to, to like, pretty, pretty handily, much, <laughs> beat handily these teams, yes. beat, beat, our, uh, beat you know, these other teams that we're competing against at the Olympics, I think for us it was just a sign that everything was, you know, playing out exactly how we wanted to play out. And um, it was all just kind of about building confidence. We had a ton of rookies. Um, who got to play, you know, when the score is that high, 
you can kind of take a deep breath and, and relax and just like kind of settle in on, on an Olympic stage. So I think it helped it helped our team with confidence and, and then just to give our rookies a a, a bit of ice time and, and to kind of settle in. And then that first game against the USA, because you did play them in the preliminary rounds, mm-hmm. are you looking at that as a preview of the final, which it eventually was? Yeah, I. it's hard because everyone obviously looks at history and it's like, oh, if you win in the preliminary round, you're going to lose in the gold medal game. So, um, you're like, let's lose this one. <laughs> so like, oh, do you lose? No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, after the game, I think we... It was like exciting to be able to play them because obviously that's that's the matchup you want in the gold medal game and when you when you're playing teams and the score is ten nothing, eleven nothing, um, it's like okay we got to make sure we're kind of dialed in for you know a, a real game against the U.S. Um, I think after that game we weren't super happy with how we played, um, but we still came out with a win. So I think all, it was just about building confidence and we we're like we didn't even play our best game and we still won and we still grinded out a win. So. Um, we were just excited to get another chance at them with a, a medal on the line. And so you beat them for two preliminary rounds. Next match was a quarterfinal, 11-0 against Sweden. <laughs> Insanity. <laughs> Semifinal, which you think would be even mildly close, 10-3 against Switzerland. And then, actually, no, before that. I think I read, was there a situation for one of the games where, like, one of the other teams got COVID and y'all didn't want to play? Mm-hmm. What was which game was that for? Yeah, so it was the uh, a Russian Olympic Committee. Okay. <laughs> and uh, basically, you have to get a test uh, in the morning, so your results will come before whenever you're competing against other countries, which makes sense. And uh, I guess they came in with a positive case, so they were testing like uh, twice a day kind of thing. And um, they didn't get tested in the window that would come back in time for the game, and obviously we were worried because we don't want to start losing people um, with positive cases. And uh, we just had to wait. So we waited an hour before the game to wait for their test. And at that point, it, it didn't come back yet. And we were like, you got to play this game. Like, it's it's already been an hour and a half kind of since we warmed up. And uh, so we just decided to wear masks. And um, it's actually funny because before the third period, they're like, oh, yeah, it's all negative. So the, the ROC took their masks off, and we were just like, we'll keep them on. Like, yeah, fair. We've done this, and then we get back to the village, and we're like, oh, yeah, they actually had a positive case. What? Yeah. Oh, that is insane. So oh, we were wow. like, that's so annoying. We just, <laughs> at least we wore masks, but um, and we didn't get COVID, so that was good. But it was just like, how do you tell us everyone has negative tests, and then a positive comes back? Hey, man, the ROC, if there was ever a shady <laughs> Olympic committee or a shady Olympic team, there's a reason they're not going by Russia. I'll just I'll just say that. So shout out to the ROC. But um, how hard is it to play a professional hockey match with a mascot? Yeah, um, it wasn't that hard, honestly. I mean, we've been doing it for two years. It was. You've been playing with masks on? Well, during like, um, like obviously before everyone was vaccinated that whole year, we we wore masks a lot on the ice and, okay, and fair. lifting. So it wasn't like a, a super big deal. And then obviously in December, I said we had like a little bit of an outbreak. Um, when we came back, we were wearing masks a lot, so it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal. Okay, I love that. That is that is great to hear, and it's funny because I um, here at obviously our on campus mask mandate just got lifted, mm-hmm. like probably a month ago but up until then in Dylan gym even just to work out and to play basketball everyone would complain about having to wear a mask to do both including myself for playing basketball and now we're hearing that all these Olympic athletes are able to do it with masks on so maybe that's just you know some of us complain a little bit too much so fair fair enough um okay so then fast forwarding again to the gold medal match you know you were facing the USA once again 
before the match what is the mood like in in the locker room take take me to that to that locker room honestly it was super light and i i mean i definitely felt nervous but I mean, it's your first ever, like, gold medal game. And, and you're the youngest one on the team. That'll, that'll do it. Nerves are natural, and yes. And there's so much on the line. But um, it's actually funny. We, we took, like, a hip-hop class throughout the year. So we learned this, like, hip-hop dance. And we would do, <laughs> oh, hip-hop dance? <laughs> yeah, like, a little... I you like, like, rapping. <laughs> like, a 45-second, like, uh, basically, like, routine <laughs> to, like, Missy Elliott. And um, we, would, we did it before every game. Just like as a joke, because we we're like, whatever. We're at because we're gonna win the Olympics, we're gonna win, and we're gonna win eleven nothing anyway. Yep. <laughs> and I remember we did it like at the final game, and we we like hit it, like we we perfected the dance. And at that point, I was like, honestly, we're dancing before a gold medal game, like it's not that serious. Like I can relax, and I think that was kind of the mood of everyone. We're like, all right, let's like go out and play. Like we have the last six games and. The last four years we've been waiting to get here, we're here. Like, just enjoy it. I absolutely love that because you, I don't know, you hear some coaches and some people who are like, before the biggest match of your career, you should be so serious and so dialed in and so tuned in. But it's very possible, like y'all showed, to have fun, but then also be focused on the task at hand. Yeah. Like, they are not mutually exclusive. So that is very dope to hear. Did y'all, have y'all kept up with the with the hip-hop dance moves? And have you whipped out any of those dance moves on the Sunday Funday floor or elsewhere? <laughs> I mean, I definitely had to show some people on camp. <laughs> maybe maybe at like 2 a.m but uh it won't come out at any other time so you mean you will not do it right now <laughs> no i don't think I'll do that. <laughs> no it was actually cool though because like obviously um i think women's hockey is like kind of in the spotlight during the olympics especially in canada and um we got like a ton of videos from like young like girl like youth teams like doing the dance that we did and it's just like cool to like realize that you're like inspiring a ton of like young girls and for them to like copy your dance yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> okay and so very loose going on to the, going into the match obviously you win the match 3-2 you're up 3-0 so you got one back relatively early and then they scored a last one in like the last 15 seconds so you're essentially one when uh, that clock hits zero and you're an olympic gold medalist what is that feeling like yeah, I remember, like, being on the bench and, and counting down with, like, everyone and, and skating onto the ice, and I just, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, you, know, you like, try to scream, but you, like, can't scream, and then I was, like, crying. I remember, like, the camera zooming in my face, and I just, like, looked like a, like a mess. And it's like, funny, because oh, like, I, I watched the video. <laughs> I looked like a mess, and then, like, did an interview after, and I'm, like, breathing heavy and, like, crying. I'm, like, you could have pulled it together for, like, five minutes. Um, but it was cool. I mean, like... I think the feeling among all of us was just, like, relief. Like, you've been spending... I, I like, dedicated two years. I, I pushed school off for two years to go do this and to to do it um, with, like, a team that you're so close with, close with was just, like, indescribable. It was, it was really cool. And um, uh, what I was going to mention beforehand, but I was like, it makes sense to wait till now. In the tournament, you had eight goals, which was the second most in the whole competition. <laughs> Again, did you surprise yourself with how well you played or were you just like, I'm kind of a, I'm like, I'm great at hockey and I'm going to go out and get goals regardless of who I'm playing against? Honestly, it, it started to become a joke because like our games were at like 11 p.m. here. And so like the first two games, I think I scored like on my first shifts, 
like within like 45 seconds and it, it just became a joke that like I'd just score before everyone would fall asleep at home <laughs> but, <laughs> but honestly like I went into the Olympics with like a ton of confidence and I was just like there, there was no pressure on me I was like a 21 year old like at the first time at the Olympics there was no pressure and um I think that's when I just like compete the best and honestly when you get a couple lucky bounces early it, it, it helps you out in the long run I love that. And I can only imagine you're going to come back to Princeton hockey and everyone is, I, I pray for everyone that, that you have to play against. Cause you know, I was looking at your stats and I think you're more than halfway to record for assists and points, I believe. So mm-hmm. very casual, going to come back, going to smash everything. I, I have only seen very few women's hockey games in person, mm-hmm. but I will be keeping up. Okay. I, I can't, I can't, I can't wait. Um, and so you win the gold medal. Um, and then again, like I said, I watched the video and I watched the, the first of all, I, I'm guessing it's because of COVID, but you guys had to give each other the gold right. medals. How did you feel about that? Honestly, it was really cool. And like, I, I think in the future, like more people or more teams are going to do that because it's just like super special to like put a, a gold medal on your teammate. Um, but yeah, I think... I, it was because of COVID, but it honestly made it a lot more special and like really cool in the videos. Just like the, I think I put mine on like Jill Sonia and she's like crying, I'm crying. And he's like hugging each other. It's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> and then when you sing the national anthem, is that like the the best rendition that you've ever, ever given of yeah. O Canada? <laughs> I mean, I definitely wouldn't have wanted to be mic'd up for that. But um, yeah, it's just like you just get goosebumps. Like you're looking at, you know, your country's flag with, with a, super heavy olympic like gold medal on beside like everyone who've gone through a bunch of highs and lows with over the last year and it's like super special and what was the reception like after when you got back to canada it was cool but i actually so i well we flew in and it's funny because we flew into like the toronto airport and there's obviously just like a bunch of people from like random flights and they're like oh my god the olympic teams (laughs) (laughs) so i ended up like staying at like baggage claim in toronto for like a couple hours to like take pictures with people and like show people the medal which was like really cool but then i was home for like two days and flew right down here oh whoa okay go princeton (laughs) (laughs) so i I, like flew right down here and it's funny because like when you come down here people like i well i had the medal like to show everyone like oh did you play for team usa and i was like no we actually beat them in the finals thank you very much yes that's that's still cool i'm like yeah no um but yeah, I came, I came right down here because I haven't seen anyone here in so long. Aww. Um, uh, but it was cool and, and to, share it, to share it with everyone here and like my closest friends was like probably um, the best part of it. And how long was it before you actually took that gold medal off your neck? Because I feel like I would have slept with it for probably a week or two at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I took it off until I, I at least landed in Canada for sure. So like five, six days, maybe. Oh, love that. <laughs> and uh, what if and you, this is something that you kind of touched on a little bit earlier with when you said that you had little girls sending you, you guys uh, videos of them dancing uh, to the routine that you guys were doing. Also, <laughs> have you been able to feel the impact personally that you've had on little girls across Canada? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I still haven't. Um, like I don't think anyone really realizes like the impact you kind of have on like young girls when they get to you know watch you know like women compete at the highest level and and to be on the the international stage um I don't think anyone really realizes how much that does for you know young girls in sport um but 
I'm from like a really small town in Ontario and, and to get messages and like Facebook messages and emails and tags on like Instagram from like high school teachers and elementary school teachers and like people saying like you're so like the team's like inspired me to go do this and like can play hockey it's it's just like it never gets old to be honest it's really cool and who was was there any particularly cool person that reached out maybe to the team if not you specifically just to congratulate you like did Drake reach out (laughs) (laughs) I wish (laughs) um we had like like Justin Bieber, like was like, oh, good luck, girls, and we're like, oh. insane, insane, insane. <laughs> yeah. He essentially wished you personally good personally, luck. <laughs> personally, personally. Said, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh, we had it was funny because like the Blue Jays account, like baseball, like mm-hmm. kept commenting like on my Instagram and like Twitter, and it was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and it's probably just like someone random, in yeah. Like media department. It's a little intern doing it all, but at, to everyone, it's like the Blue Jays. Like, no way. <laughs> and yeah. did they take y'all to a game? Yeah, I think uh, that's kind of the plan. Maybe when I'll go home, I'll, I'll go out to a game, throw, maybe throw first pitch or something. But That would be insane. <laughs> that would actually be insane. Oh, my God. Um, okay, we have done 40 minutes, which, again, it always flies by so fast. And, um, uh, okay, I think we can transition. Hmm. Yes, we'll transition okay. to the song segment, um, which, again doesn't have a name we need one we've done this for a lot of episodes if you have any good ideas for a name for this segment i've just been calling it the music identity segment okay love. so so we'll go with that but as always ask my guests to come with five songs that they mm-hmm. that describe who they are as a person i leave it very open-ended and let people sort of take it in whatever direction they want so sarah it is your turn <laughs> it's actually funny you you just mentioned drake because i i had to put a drake song oh in of there course of course it's all right Toronto and, um so my first one was um I gotta. I honestly gotta look at the list. Oh yeah, yeah. Gotta, usually people, yeah, they pull up their phones. Sure yeah, no I worries. <laughs> can't mess up the titles of the songs. <laughs> I had "Nice for What" by Drake. Great song. Um, I feel like it's just like about like an empowered, strong woman. Don't need anyone else to make a name for yourself and rely on other people. Um, the second one was "Wide Open Space." Dixie Chicks. Okay, I don't think I know that one. Which again, I love this segment because it always puts me onto new songs. It's a great song. It's like a, at one point it was like a karaoke song of mine, but um, it's just like I'm from a pretty small town. Go out to this school in New Jersey, number one school in the nation. It was just a totally new experience for me and really cool. Uh, I have "All Right" by Darius Rucker. I don't know that one either. Oh, you have to listen to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally writing all these. <laughs> I'm writing them all down. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, I guess it's just about, like, I'm, I'm a pretty simple person. I, I don't need anything fancy to have a good time or, or be happy in life. And uh, then I have Man, I Feel Like a Woman, Shania Twain. I writing them <laughs> you don't all know down. That one? I don't even. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, and then my last one was Unwritten, Natasha Bedding. Great song. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you said that and looked at me like, if you don't know this, I'm walking off the show right now. So like two for five. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Unwritten, also one of my good to karaoke songs. It is just, yeah. just a phenomenal. Every time. Needs no explanation. Just a, a phenomenal song. Um, okay, and then with our last three minutes, first of all, I'm just going to compliment myself right right now. 45 minutes was the time that I was going for, and I've kept the time so well. This I'm getting kind of good at this whole podcast. <laughs> thing. I just, that's my, my little pack on, pat on the back to myself. Um, okay, so with the last three minutes, the Tiger Confession section where I go on Tiger Confessions, find comments about whatever, read them out to my guest, they answer first, and then I respond also. <clears throat> first one, it says... Ooh, okay. 
I love my roommate, but she keeps on talking about what scores she gets on her exams, and I'm happy for her and proud of her, but at the same time, it's a little sad because I never do as well, and she asks me what I get, and I don't feel like saying. I am also scared of confrontation. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I may have experienced that a couple times. <laughs> Honestly. Name names, name names, I'll tell you. <laughs> you have to cut that out. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, just, like, fake it till you make it, to be honest. You know, just just make something up. That's what I would do. If that, if Maybe they, you know, just need, you know, some, what's uh, it called? Like validation yeah, of some validation. sort. validation. You know, if that's super important to them. That's amazing that you did so well on your test, and maybe I didn't do so well, but I'll put a smile on my face and say, great job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I also relate to this, not from a roommate, but there are just certain individuals who, the second you get an exam back of whatever whatever type, they're just in your business mm -hmm. about what you got. And it's like, why the fuck are you so worried about me? Like, yeah. if you got a good grade, congratulations, leave me alone yeah, with my little bad grade in Oreo and physics in every class my first two years. But yeah, so for anyone listening, just like get your good grade and mind your business. Stop asking people what they got. But then also if your roommate's doing it so much, just like, yeah, fake it until you make it. Which, yeah, some people are annoying about that. Um, and then the second one, <clears throat> it says, how can you ask someone and then in parentheses, a friend, if they think you are annoying or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. These are, these are heavy ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, honestly, maybe a little, like, you could do it a little bit sneaky and, and see if they want to, like, hang out. And if they don't want to hang out with you, maybe they, they find you a little bit annoying. Oh, oh, that's nice and oh, I like that. That's more <laughs> subtle and calculated. I was just gonna be like, you should just ask them straight up. Do you find me annoying? And then if they say yes, I'll, so if they, th I feel like if they do think you're annoying, they probably will say it to your face. And True. if they don't, like, so yeah, they would give. I feel like that would warrant an honest response from whoever that you ask. Yeah. Yeah. So any of my friends, don't ask me that. Actually, I, <laughs> I hope y'all don't think I'm annoying. That's <laughs> why I'm trying to be better. <laughs> Um, awesome. But yes, that that has been it. This has been another phenomenal episode. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any final words for the people? No, I can't wait to come back and be a, officially a Princeton student. So. And Princeton can't wait to officially have you back. <laughs> um, this has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Thank you for listening. <laughs>